Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Picosin. And today we are talking about the business of being creative with Abdella Rolem. Abdella is an award-winning logo designer and branding strategist from Morocco. He has designed logos and built brands for a wide range of clients in the tech space from nonprofits like the Agritech Association of Africa to startups such as Proto. With his company, Rolem Branding, and through his experience in both marketing and design, he aims to help startup founders realize the power of branding and its importance, even at an early stage. Abdella, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Hi, Mike. Thank you for having me. Hi, Lisa. Yeah, so we're really excited to have you. Um, Abdella, we're, this, you're our first guest from another continent, which is exciting for us. Um, and That's amazing. We were so happy to connect with you. You and I had connected last week just to talk about you know, creatives and the space. So I would love it if you could just start us off by telling us why this topic is important to you. Perfect. Well, um, this matters because there are a lot of creatives that are struggling to build their careers. Most of us start out by just figuring out the way we, uh, we just make cool stuff and express ourselves. Uh, so even before going into, for example, design, myself, I started just drawing. And you, you, you're you not told that there is actually a career in doing creative stuff until you're much older. Uh, at least that was the case for me. And then you discovered that there's something called design uh, and for me later on branding. And then you start little by little uh, trying to um, build a career out of that, except that whether you go with the design education or, or creative education or not, there's no one to guide you and say, here's how to make the most of it and here's how to make money doing it. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I try to just share my experience and um, try to show that there is value in what we do and that you can make a living out of it and uh, even skip uh, the, the terrible jobs at agencies that would just tell you what to do and limit you creatively. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Very cool. Can you tell us a little bit about your own career journey? Yes. So I started quite young. Um, I think I, I first opened up Photoshop for the first time at age 11 wow. and just playing around with it and trying to figure out how to use it and what to use it for. I didn't really know about design then. But I kept learning little by little, discovered graphic design along the, the way, and actually started freelancing even before graduating high school. Uh, I came across the, the, you know, the common freelancer platforms where you could basically get small jobs here and there, make a couple logos or um, business cards. Uh, so that's how I started. But after that, I, I, uh, I got introduced to an entrepreneur who had just started uh, an advertising agency in my town. Uh, and he was, um, he was very interested in my work and he liked what I was doing. And I, he essentially had a team of, of designers that were doing work for him, but none of them really had the, the background in creative work the same way I was introduced to it via the internet. So they basically just did what they were told as I was uh, talking about just a second ago. And he wanted someone with more of an artistic direction to, to you know, help 
make great stuff for his clients. So he offered me to be the lead of his of his design team. So that's when I actually consider myself started uh, my career. But yeah, that that was a little bit too much for me just starting out leading a design team. Although I did learn a lot from it, I quickly realized that I needed to take a step back. So that's when I I just went back to freelancing and I started learning more about how to get more clients, get better clients. And yeah, that's where I am right now. Cool. So it sounds like you understand a lot of what goes into building a business around your creative skills and talents. Yeah, no one, of course, knows everything that there is to know, but I have figured out basically that you can't just be expressive in your work and make money. That doesn't work out, uh, unfortunately, because what clients care about is not the idea, but the the, the actual uh, you know ROI of what that idea can bring to to their business and how it can affect their bottom line. So I went from just trying to make cool stuff creative stuff to finding solution to business solutions to business problems via using design. So when you shift the conversation from that, it gets easier with clients. And that's how I was able to, to um, basically scale up my freelance career. Uh, think something that I don't see a lot of my peers doing. They focus a lot on, on the aesthetic or creative side of things. That's really interesting. Can you just dive deeper into talking about the ROI of creative work? Like what are some of the solutions that you help provide for these business problems? That's a really great question. And that's the first thing that you have to explain to a client is that there is an endless amount of possibilities when it comes to creative work. So for me personally, I do branding so I can talk more about that specifically. But it, the same applies to video work or illustrations and, and things of that nature. So for me, my goal is to help bridge the gap between a company and their audience, and make sure that that they're aligned, uh, that they align their vision with what the audience is experiencing, uh, whether that that's like a problem that they want to solve for them or a vision that they all aspire to to achieve or something like that. So what that does is that it, it creates a, a real connection, a real human connection between the company and the audience. And so the way we can kind of see the value monetarily is that you, you basically try to increase the number of ideal clients or ideal customers and reduce the number of uh, basically random people that come across you and just shop once. So, we call it our land branding uh, LTV plus, so lifetime value plus, and the plus stands for the lifetime value of all the people around that one person that you acquire for the first time, and that's what branding does. So if you get your visual identity right, if you get your messaging right, and you build that connection, then the your customers become fans of yours, and they become brand ambassadors, and that can scale in their basically in their circle. A social circle so your company becomes the topic at the dinner table for example uh, you can see that a lot with companies that have big visions uh, like Tesla or Apple uh, 
and that's that's how you can basically make more money by increasing the lifetime value of your initial customers and then acquiring others via that connection that you gain and then the other way is basically by protecting your image that's something i talk about in my article that i wrote for startups magazine called the brand centric strategy and we call it the bec syndrome uh, it stands for big evil corporation and that's what we basically by studying uh, other companies and how they've dealt with branding we noticed that if you scale up your business but your branding is not uh, proportionally scaled up as well you start to disconnect and then that creates room for people to to kind of imagine what your goals are because they're not communicated directly to them so when people look like uh, at google for example there was a poll back in 2013 that said that 70 more than 70% of people who were asked if Google was a evil corporation said yes. Uh, and imagine that now that Google actually stopped using their motto, don't be evil. <laughs> so now it's even more, the, the, people have more of a reason to, to think that Google just cares about money or collecting your data and things like that. And branding solves that problem because you always make sure that you're connected and that your values are communicated. Wow, that makes that that's a great way of tying creative work into a real business conversation. I can see you've got quite a bit of experience in terms of getting into this discussion with with people who could be hiring you and ultimately benefiting from this kind of creative work. Very cool. Yes, thank you. So that that's the thing. I I basically was forced into this because I wanted to just go out and do my work because I know the value of my work and that it that it does uh, uh, give a lot of uh, uh, beneficial outcomes to to my clients, but most of my clients actually don't know this and don't see it from this perspective. They just think that their brand is the logo and you make it pretty and they decided on the color and things like that. So I find myself always educating my clients on doing that. So that's why I'm trying to do more of this, writing more content and uh, sharing my opinion based on that to educate people that are outside from the creative field to understand that there's actually value to all of this. Yeah. I think that's really helpful for small business owners, people who are working with creatives, anybody who interacts or wants a logo done. So myself as a small business owner, I've definitely had my logo developed before. And I didn't understand any of this background that you were talking about. So can you tell us a little bit more about um, you know, the value of a logo versus brand strategy? Okay, that's, that's also a really good question. So that's, that ties in with the misconception that I just mentioned, where people think that their brand is their logo. So I might get a lot of uh, flack for this, but logos are basically worthless. <laughs> uh, a logo will a logo will not get you clients. A logo will not increase the value of your company. Uh, a logo basically has no value if the, if it doesn't have anything to support it. It's basically saying that you have the you have in mind a plan to build like a, a skyscraper with some crazy pool on on the roof, but you just get the pool. You it's <laughs> you can't do it. You have to go and build 
build for, first of all you, got, you have to have a foundation and then build it story by story until you go to the end and then you get your pool so it's it's very important for your plan because what without that pool your building is just like any other building for example around it but you need the whole thing uh so the way i explain it to clients usually is that i say uh, a company or an organization is just like a person the face would be the logo but then the person also hopefully has clothes on so that would be their visual identity system it, it talks about them the way you dress says a lot about you but you also have a personality that could be the messaging so your sense of humor or the way you speak uh says a lot about you again and you also have a brain which would be then the strategy uh so i say to a client that wants a logo alone i it's like taking a mask uh and putting it on an inanimate object it doesn't make it a person it doesn't give it life uh if you put a mask on a plant it's a plant with a mask but you want the whole thing you want you want to be able to communicate with the people that are uh in contact with your with your company essentially because if you don't they can easily sense that there's something wrong that this is just a facade let's say and that leads to developing the PEC syndrome love it wow yeah you've you've taken a pretty fairly complex concept and you've really made it quite easy to understand that's that in itself is that something that other creatives tend to struggle with as they're building out their careers or their businesses? So uh, I think I think that there is a really, real, uh, like a really big issue when it comes to communicating what you understand to someone else, whether that's a client or not, because they, they don't have the same background as you do. And they don't, they, they're, they're a completely different person. They don't appreciate the same things that you appreciate. Mm -hmm. A lot of creatives go to a client and say, okay, we picked this typeface. It's called uh, Futura Bold, uh, and it, it represents all of this stuff. It, the client doesn't really care about that as much as you love that, that piece of type. So you have to, you have to use analogies and examples to water it down and make it easy to digest for someone who, who is basically new to all of this stuff. So yeah, I, I think that, that a lot of creatives do have a problem in communicating with business people. So for example, like I said in the beginning, by mentioning ROI, you grab the attention of the, the, the business person because they know that term by saying LTV, they know that, that you know that what it means. LTV, when you mention LTV to, to a business person, uh, if you mention um, diminishing returns, terms that, that business people understand, you can create that connection. And then once they see you as an expert and in, in they trust you with their brand, because that's something big for a company, then you can start introducing the artistic value of your work as well. Uh, like a Basically, at the end, it's it's uh, it's the it's the added bonus that they, that they get. So they know that you're gonna help them, and they feel they feel special because not only are they getting really good quality work that they believe will will function for them, they also see that it's it has more of a more of a more of a you can call it an Easter egg. Uh, for example, the FedEx logo is famous for having an arrow mm -hmm. between 
between the words. Uh, that's just something hidden in there that you could it, it could stay between you and the client and let it be discovered by people along the line. Or just till this day, it's still no one really knows why Apple has that logo or that name. It's there's a little bit of a mystery around that. So these things are a bonus. They're not the whole thing for the client. And if you're a creative person, you should understand that. You should un understand the way of, of dealing with that, especially if you're a freelancer, because if you're working with an agency, there is someone who does that whole thing with the client and they make sure that everything is understood and can well communicated. But if you're a solo entrepreneur and you do it by yourself, you have to kind of be a Swiss army knife and wear all those different hats, uh, be the marketer, be uh, you know the person that understands creative and business. So, yeah. Wow. So just along those lines, you and I had had a, a pre-talk before this episode and, and we had talked a little bit about the difference between a client who just wants a logo and the difference between a client who wants more. So kind of the client who's just paying you at a lower level versus somebody who's really buying the whole package. Tell us a little bit yes. about the difference between those two clients. Yes. So the funny thing is the client that wants just a logo for, for the cheap, cheapest price possible is the, is the, the hardest client to work with because they don't understand the value in, in the work. They just, uh, they just know that they need a logo because everyone has a logo. So it's something to, to take off of their to-do list. And when they go online and see that logos can cost, you know, from, hundred dollars to a hundred thousand dollars it's a it's quite a shock and they might be uh on the fence about about even doing this they could just go to a friend or a cousin who knows a little bit of graphic design and have them do it for free so when they're paying for it they want to make sure that they're not getting scammed uh it, even a hundred dollars to them for for that piece of graphic design is 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 too much so what ends up happening is that you kind of fall in that endless cycle of revisions where they would always say okay let's make this smaller or let's make this bigger or let's let's change the whole thing i i have another idea <laughs> so they they they're bar they're barely paying you but they want to get the most out of their money so after uh, weeks uh, on end they finally feel uh, comfortable with saying, okay, this is this is it. Uh, I'm I'm comfortable with this, and but the ironically enough, the clients that are paying you a lot don't really go into that with with uh, with the process, and they they let you do what you do because they're hiring you for your your expertise. Uh, it, it it also depends on how you position yourself with the client. They, some big clients can still take advantage of you if you if you're not straightforward straight, straightforward with them, and they still can require you to do a lot more than what you basically agreed on. But if you do a good job at coming across as a professional and an expert, they trust you to just do your thing, and they say that you know they don't basically want to uh, hinder you or put any obstacles between. Uh, the, the idea you have and and basically the execution that that will show of course whether or not that idea is is gonna work so 
the way to to also make sure that you get to that point is that you remove them from the from the process personally. When you start working on a project with a big client, it's never about them. That's the 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 opposite to a small client. It's all about them. I like this. I don't like this. A big client or big company, we all we always go and build user personas. So, what is the ideal client for you? Uh, who do you want to attract? And how, like, what what are they like? What what brands do they like? Um, what what where do they work? What's their job? How old are they? Are they married or not? So you build that person up, and when you start uh, getting feedback from the client, always remind them that this is for that person. Yeah, so that way they're more comfortable saying yes to something even though they don't like it because they understand that it's for that specific user or uh, potential customer, and it makes the, the, process, the creative process much easier. Uh, and at the end of the day, much shorter because you don't have to always go back and change little things. Um, and if you don't, unfortunately, I, I've seen comments like <laughs> uh, the R, the letter R looks like a hatchet. Can we change it? So it, it, can, it can be very, very frustrating for a creative person to deal with those types of clients. And some people I know personally just want to quit uh, design work because they don't want to deal with that anymore. And we see that trend also with people who go to education instead of just service work. So instead of providing their services, they want to educate other designers on, on how to do it. They make tutorials, they make lessons, and they sell courses. So I personally don't see myself doing that. I want to do what I love. And my passion is to make this, these logos and these brands and communicate these stories through, through what I create. So I, I want to make sure that other people who are in the same position as I am can get rid of those problems that make this, uh, this uh, profession so you know, frustrating at, at times. Yeah, I think you've, yeah, I think you've hinted at this a little bit in what you just, you've just said, um, but are there any other things that, that creatives can do to better understand their clients? Yes, so you can, so what I did Part of it, at least, is that I went and I got a sales job for about uh, seven seven months, months something like that, hmm. uh, and that taught me a lot about what 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 companies care about, what big companies care about. Because when you're selling uh, their product or service, they tell you uh, what what their goals are, how many how many clients they need, or how many conversions they need um, and you understand the terms like I was uh, the terms they they're comfortable with using like I was talking about ROI and conversion rates and uh, lifetime value and things of that nature so when you when you put yourself in the shoes of someone uh, that, that that uses these words for work it's it's much easier to take that and then implement it in a creative career because you, you are that person, essentially. You're not just learning from someone else. But for people who don't want to do that, who, who don't have the luxury of quitting whatever they're doing and going and getting a sales job or a marketing job or something like that, they can always just learn from the internet. Go and understand social media marketing or understand sales in general. Or get a, a, for example, LinkedIn Learning has a lot of courses 
that are geared towards business people. So you just go there and browse and try to basically put yourself in the shoes of someone who is running a business and what do they want to know? What, what are their, their goals? And once you do that, the, 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 your client in the future is no longer going to look like an alien because they do. If, if you're just, if you come from a background of doing this in school, for example, your professor that's teaching you is already someone who has done this for years and years. So they understand you, even if you don't use the right language to communicate your ideas. And when they want to correct you and make sure that you communicate your work better, better they do it with creative terms and artistic terms. Uh, so that's the, basically that's the lexicon that you develop and that you acquire. So at the end of your school years, you're great at explaining your creative work to another creative, but then you're not able to just communicate the slightest idea to someone who's not been in that environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I remember something else that helped me a lot. And I think that a lot of people could have that opportunity if they're still in school is that we used to, so each year we used to have these open doors for for uh, other students that maybe want to uh, come study the same the same stuff that we do, uh, and generally they don't know much about it, so you have to explain it to them. And I volunteered to do that, so I would sit, I would stand right by the door and welcome everyone in, and then go over the work. So we basically have it hanging on the walls, and then I, I try to explain it. And at first, I didn't know how to. Like I was just saying, I tried to use the terms that I was taught those people don't know those terms. So I had to kind of change my language. And by, by, by the second year, I was, I was much better at it and then developed that skill again with other things little by little to, yeah, to basically to get to this point. I think that's so applicable to so many different industries too. I was an accountant previously and that was very common in accounting and even in coaching now. You're just surrounded by people who are doing the same thing as you and you know how to talk to those people. But when you try to explain it to somebody who's not in that industry or in that world, you have to think of it completely differently. Exactly, exactly. That's, uh, that's true for everything, whether it's creative or not. But for creatives, it's even more of a problem because there is, I, well, we can you can call it a bubble because it it is one when when creatives get together they're just immersed in their own world when you go to basically creative conferences like the one that adobe holds adobe max no one is talking about what we're talking about right now no one is trying to figure out a way to get creatives uh into the meeting room where big decisions are happen for big companies there's a marketing person there there's a financial advisor, there is uh, people from an advertising agency or whatever, but there is never a designer in there. Big companies that are trying to basically get get ahead are trying to, to implement this by having, uh, you start to, to see this chief brand officers who will basically take care of all that. But it's a very small percentage if you look at, at the entire marketplace. So. That's the thing. If you don't burst this bubble, if you stay always within it, 
you could maybe go get a job and have an art director tell you what to do and that's going to be fine but if you're going to you know grow your career and scale scale up whether it's a freelance business or not if you want to basically become a better designer you have to think outside also this is ironic i'm just thinking of it right now you're you're taught to think outside the box as a designer but no one does it when when it comes to thinking outside of design they just think within the realm that they're within so interesting yeah yeah so there's a degree of like i've heard it called the curse of knowledge where you are really close to the problem and you have a really good sense of, of the language that describes it and it's kind of what you're talking about when you go to something like an Adobe Max and everyone else can understand that language as well. But then you go into into a, a meeting with business people and obviously the language is different for them. And your your knowledge or your concentration of expertise around your subject doesn't allow you to kind of see those different perspectives that, that your potential employers, uh, your clients might have. So um, that makes a whole lot of sense. If you're someone who is developing your career maybe going through like more of an agency route how how do you think you could develop um that awareness of of business language and being able to to really thrive in that kind of a, an environment when you're actually when it comes time to selling creative work so first of all before talking about how you do it you need to understand that there's value in it because mm. not everyone sees it as valuable. Some people are comfortable where they are. They, they're a designer. Maybe they aspire to become an art director. And even in some cases, art directors are not in the, with the client in the room. If, there is, if it's a big company, there's a, a, there, there are a lot of people who make sure that the process is smooth as possible. You, you can still remain in the bubble for your whole career. So... The value in it is that when you think outside the box, when in terms of thinking outside of what you can actually do with your computer or with your pen and paper, uh, if you think about solutions, if you think about, about strategy, then whatever it is that you make will be extremely better because you're not focusing on what you know and what you're comfortable with because um, I guess a better way of saying that is that if you don't take risks, you will never be original because it's you, you have to try something new that's never been done. So if you're a designer and you're just making, if you're just doing design and making great, aesthetically great work, that's what you'll do for, for the rest of your career. But if you want to experiment, then you have to learn other things. It doesn't have to be business lingo or or strategy it can also be just any other thing that you you have an interest in an interest in it could be psychology for example so if you understand people better you can design better for them and if you become a better designer not only can you become the art director you can also help that your your agency that you're working for provide better work and if they do Maybe you want to stay in that same position you are, but at least you're more proud of your work. I'm not saying that everyone should go and run their own agency, but if you, come, if you become better, if your agency 
becomes better and if the work is great it can, you can win awards with that you can uh ch you can create trends with that a lot of people are proud when their piece of work becomes a trend so personal development is essential to your to basically attaining more than the goals that you right, have for for yourself right now and i think if you don't do that like i was saying whether you're a freelancer having your own business or working within an agency everything gets boring at one point even if it's the passion of your life as soon as it becomes a job it gets boring and a lot of people are not happy with where with where they are with their with their work and it becomes very repetitive so again you have to take risks if you want to be original and that's what makes it exciting and what keeps it exciting cool i totally agree with you i'm if you don't take risks i i sometimes say that not taking any risks at all in life or in our careers is often the greatest risk we can take so i i hear you there i think this kind of ties in nicely to this question of like, should all creatives learn about the branding, uh, excuse me, should learn about the strategy component of creative work? I think so. Yes. Even like I was saying, even if you're not going to utilize this to, to run a business or build a, a personal practice, ha having that knowledge will, will make your work much better because then you can be, you can bring in those aspects of, strategy or other disciplines like i was saying into that work that you're making and basically instead like making sure that you stand out from the rest of 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 the of your peers and that in of itself is is something very important what i would say to to anyone who is either a designer or a brand strategist because there are a lot of brand strategists out there that don't know design and sometimes people are even saying it proudly oh you don't have to know design to be a strategist you kind of do it's always better if you do so if you're a designer go learn strategy if you're a strategist go learn design it's not going to hurt you it'll always make you better at what you do uh, because if you're a designer you will have most support like most commonly you will be working with a strategist so that makes you a better team because you understand each other and vice versa if you're a strategist you're working with a designer understanding design makes you a, big, a better team makes total Love sense it. yeah cool so if someone was in an agency or if they were just starting out in their career and they wanted to go into creative freelancing what tips do you have for somebody who wants to go that route well first of all ask your, ask yourself if you really want to do that because it's not easy first and foremost you're running the risk of not making as much money as you would uh, or maybe a stable salary because sometimes you get clients, sometimes you don't. So it's very important to know whether or not that's something that is for you or if you're just being influenced by someone who actually does that and is good at that and you develop this illusion that everyone can do it. That's something that I, I, I really don't like about the creative community as well because now you see this trend of everyone wanting to be a freelancer and making millions of dollars <laughs> as a sole entrepreneur that's a reality for some people not everyone i did uh, like the way i made the decision to switch 
is because I realized I had that entrepreneurial gene in me. When I was working with the, the, uh, the advertising agency, my boss was an entrepreneur himself. That wasn't his first company and wasn't his last. And basically, I was, I was close with him. I was with him in meetings with clients. And I, I really enjoyed that, that aspect of, of basically of the job because I wasn't just doing creative work. I was also part of this new world that I was getting introduced to. And I was attracted to it. So if you are that type of person that wants to be an entrepreneur and you see yourself doing that for the rest of your life, because you will, uh, you, you won't be just making work, uh, creative work, no matter how, how, no matter how successful your business gets, you will never trust someone else to take care of the client and you just go back into creative stuff uh, because it's get, it, essentially it's your in itself that your company is your work. Uh, the same way you you make a, a painting that you're very proud of and you don't want to let go of it, or you make a logo and you're sad when the client changes it, mm. you you're gonna become very protective of your company, and it's it's not something that you're gonna let go, and you're not gonna hire a CEO or something to do that and just uh, focus on the creative work. So, like I was saying, if you want to do that and you want to make the decision to switch, you want to make sure that that you, you can get clients. Uh, start by doing it on the site. You don't have to quit your job right away. See if you can build a portfolio website and if you can start to market it and to advertise it. And most importantly, while doing that, see if you can build a circle of connections and grow your network with people other than creatives. Mm -hmm. Because most of of the projects that I get and that most of my peers get are through referrals. Uh, as much as you can advertise and market your work, that will still get you leads, but not a lot. So build that network slowly, but surely, uh, get to know people that can get you work or that themselves could be potential clients in the future and see if your work by itself, um, you know, stands uh, you know above above the, the 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 competition because right now you're 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 going against a lot of agencies that are much higher than you uh, that are much bigger than you sorry and that can charge much higher which is sometimes sometimes uh very attractive to clients when they see you charging higher they they feel safe that you know enough to ask for that amount of money that you won't ruin their brand or that you don't get, you won't get them uh, basically to run into problems in the future. So that's very tricky to manage. Uh, and your work maybe is worth a lot with the name of the agency that you work, you work for. But if you remove that branding of that agency and you put your name instead, will that work still attract clients? Because like we were talking at the beginning of the show, Business people don't care about the same, that we, same things that we creatives care about. If you know that you picked the perfect typography for that brand and for the perfect colors, that's something that you know yourself. And that's not something that people are going to understand and get. And, and get. Uh, the, the second thing, which is also very important, is that when you build a portfolio, it's not all about the visuals. Even if 
if you're not going to offer a brand strategy, you have to explain your work in, in the same way that we were talking about. So using terms that others can understand, even if they're outside of that career, of that field. So make sure that you don't, that your website isn't just a bunch of images uh, and have a call to action. <laughs> People always forget about that. They have a portfolio website and it's full of great work, barely any words there. So, and at the end, there is no contact me button. There is no get a quote button. There is no schedule a meeting button. There is just like an email. And you have to understand if you're listening to this that no one is going to go and copy your email and go to their email box and paste it in and write you a whole email and say how good your work is and that they want to work with you. They're not going to do that. They're very busy. And if they're not busy, you don't want that client. <laughs> so you want to make it easy for them. Put a button there. When they click, there's a, there's a form that they can fill very easily with simple questions. And then when you, when you, when you, you talk to them for the first time and you um, get on a discovery session call, then you can ask the detailed stuff or something like that. Because this is also something I'm going in a little bit of attention, but there's something really important that creatives within an agency working in-house don't understand. The brief is not something that the client comes up with right there and then magically. Uh, if you are going to work with someone uh, on their brand or on their logo or anything related to, to, to design, they're not going to say, okay, Here's our target audience. Here's what they like. Here's what they don't like. Uh, here's how we want to be perceived in their eyes. Here are our goals. And this is the creative way that we want to approach it. They're not going to, maybe they have that knowledge because some people do, but they're not going to communicate it to you in a few sentences like your art director will. So that's your job now to have a conversation with your client and extract all that information from them and then form the brief that you can work off of. So yeah, that's also very important. Cool. Awesome. Makes a Thank whole you. lot of sense. A lot of valuable information there for sure. I definitely encourage people to just sort of take a moment to let that all sink in. We um we have some questions that we like to ask all of our guests that come onto our show. Lisa, do you want to take it from here? Yeah. So the first question is, um, what's the most fun that you've had in your career? The most fun, <laughs> I'd say now, because I'm trying a lot of new things. Uh, I'm on a podcast. I've never done that before, so that's great. Ooh. And <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm experimenting. I'm following my, the same advice that I like to give to people because I want to do something that's never been done and something that I see, pe that, that I see a need for out there. So uh, I'm writing a bunch of content for, for some startups magazines uh uh one that we did for one in the uk and one that we're going to publish for la startups soon uh we're, we're working on uh, collaborating with uh, startup accelerators to do sort of webinars or um, workshops virtual workshops to kind of talk to them about this the value of branding and what they should uh invest in and what they should uh, forget about for now, for example, because they don't have a lot of money to, to they're tight usually on, on, on their budget. So we're trying to spread the word about branding, try to explain it to people who don't know about it. So I'm having a lot of fun now. Uh, and I hope that 
that continues to the future as well. Cool. Awesome. What is the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did it turn out? Well, the same risk that uh, that we were talking about with someone, why, why, why would you quit your job and go do your own thing? Uh, that was a, that was a very tricky uh, time of my life because not only did I quit and I started freelancing, when I did that, I didn't get any work because there's a big difference between going a freelance platform and doing a logo for $300 to go in and trying to find big clients that would pay you thousands of dollars to do that same work. So I didn't know about any of this that I'm talking about right now. I had to learn all of it. I was kind of put in a situation where I realized that my expectations of life weren't really realistic. So I quit my job and I went to get a sales job. And that was a very, very big difference between what I was doing and what I found myself. And at times I, I really felt, you know, I felt like things maybe wouldn't work out. Like I wasn't good at it because I was, I was doing phone sales. And when you get on the phone with someone who's been harassed a hundred times before you call them, uh, it's hard to keep them on the line, let alone sell to them. And at times I would find myself just giving up and not trying to, to sell. But then I'd realized that I'd been with the client, the prospect for more than an hour, just talking about, I don't know, climate change or politics. <laughs> this is not good for the people who hired me to do this. But for <laughs> me, for me, it taught me that, you know, you can't sell to people who don't know you. And I found it that when I, when I didn't do the sales pitch, when I just, approached it my way and I was myself and I was honest and truthful, people were comfortable with me and then I could basically do the proposition and they would then be more comfortable themselves saying yes mm -hmm. to it and not hanging up on my face. So that that was the biggest stress that I took and the the, the result is that I learned how to sell without selling, how to be myself and to let other people, you know, kind of connect with me based on what I know and what value I can bring to them. And I think that was really essential for me and for growing my career and for doing what I'm doing now. Wow. Huge. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. All right. And then the last question I have is what is the best piece of career advice that you have ever received? Hmm. Well, this one I haven't received directly. But I think it's very important for me, but also for a lot of people. So that's why I want to share the specific one. Uh, you you talked about Chris Doe on a previous episode, uh, and he he has a podcast and he brings on a lot of people as well. One episode specifically was with Errol Garrison. He teaches at Art Center in Los Angeles, and if I'm not mistaken, he works a lot with. Uh, artists there on basically selling their work and sales in general and that was very that, that was a very amazing podcast in, in that he was kind of removing the that veil of you know doing beautiful work and uh, letting it speak for itself kind of thing that a lot of creatives believe in and he was honest and i really liked that and he said that if you don't like that if you 
change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. And that was very, very, very powerful because when, when designers or creatives look at their careers as sitting down, getting the brief and making something out of it and then getting feedback, doing revisions, that's their career. But if they change the way they look at it, if, if you look at it as solving a big business problem for a big company, all of a sudden it's worth more money so you can make more. All of a sudden you're, you're doing a lot with your life instead of just making something pretty. You're basically changing the, you're changing, you could change a whole industry uh, by introducing a design trend. Like you can like now look at it, at how all tech companies have went through rebrands recently. And it kind of started with, with you know, just one or two companies changing their logo, and now all of a sudden the rest is outdated. So, like I was saying, you could be more proud of your work that way. You could grow as a person and as a professional, but it starts with you changing the way you look at at the world around you and what you do in life. If you don't do that, if your expectation is always the same, then you can't pretend that life is going to change for you. Great advice. Absolutely. Thank you. Once again, wise words. I love it. It's, uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Abdella, where can people find you? Yes. So because the name of the company is a little tricky uh, to uh, just uh, spell, or you can just go to Rolam, R-O-L-A-M, branding.com, and then that will lead you to LinkedIn where you can also contact me. Uh, or lead you to uh, my Instagram if you want to look at, at a few uh, images of my work. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. We're lambbranding.com. Beautiful. Thanks so much for joining us this week on the Career Builders Podcast. Our guest was Abdella Rolem. Please go check him out. He's doing something really incredible for the creative world. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Mr. Kozak. I'm Abdullah Rolem. And we will be with you again soon. Bye for now.